Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. You know, it's funny how often I surprise people when I tell them I like my coffee black. Are you sure? You don't want cream? You don't want sugar? Nope, I just like it black. My personal opinion is if I'm ordering the coffee to have coffee, I want to be able to taste the coffee. That being said, for those of you who love their creamers, their fancy creamers, their sugars are all different sweeteners, no judgment. You do you. Hashtag coffee freedom. Just kidding. Um, but it, it is funny. I had somebody actually tell me not too long ago, it's like, oh, black coffee. Well, you're a rebel. I'm like, really? Liking my coffee black makes me a rebel? Okay. Um, you know, but when I think of the word rebel, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? Just kind of you pause and think about that. Because I did start thinking about the term rebel. I'm like, oh, I'm a rebel. What does that mean? Um, I think about, um, you know, rebel without a cause, Marlon Brando. I think of Danny Zuko in Greece. I even think about my dad, obviously. That was long before I was even thought of. Um, back in the day, he was a greaser. Wore the tight white t-shirts and, you know, black jeans or pants and greased back his hair and rode motorcycles and rolled up his cigarettes in his sleeve and the whole thing. And uh, a lot of those images that come to mind with the rebel without a cause is, you know, they were just rebels. Um, And I did look up in the dictionary because I thought it'd be kind of interesting to see, well, what does the term rebel without a cause really mean? And it is a person who's dissatisfied with society but doesn't really have a specific aim to fight for. So they're just kind of angry. They just don't, they just want to rebel against the man, whoever the man is, whatever that even means to them. But when I started thinking about being a rebel, and I think I definitely went through some rebellious phases when I was young, um, especially in junior high and probably like the first couple years of high school. Uh, My mother and I did not get along. We were always at each other's throats, fighting. And yes, I talked back a lot and yelled back a lot and, you know, did some naughty things as far as, um, you know, at school and otherwise. I don't know, went through kind of a phase of it and then grew out of it, I think, pretty quickly uh, compared to some others. But why was there? There's always a reason why we rebel, right? It's not usually what's on the surface. There's usually something more underlying there or an underlying problem or an underlying, you know, issue that you need to deal with or you need to figure out. But I also don't think that rebellion is always a bad thing. So if you think about throughout history, there were a lot of rebellions against government or rebellions against tyrannical leaders. And I think we would say, looking back, hindsight being always twenty twenty, it's like, well, that's a good thing because that was, that was tyranny. That was oppression. That was wrong. And so you need to rebel um, against, you know, laws and society if they're unjust. And if you're now thinking I'm some kind of crazy rebel about to get all political, you're wrong. But I do want to point out a couple of historical figures that I think were rebels and they're revered today. Um, one of my favorites, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And he was a rebel 
And he even, I love his quote that, you know, we have a moral responsibility to obey just laws. But conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I mean, Dr. King was a prime example of walking against, marching against, speaking out against unjust laws. And I don't think anybody today, minus maybe a point oh 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 percent of people, but I really don't think people today would look at that as like, oh, he was a rebel without a cause. He clearly had a cause, and he was defying what was at the time considered law. But I think, hello, needed to happen. It was a good thing. So I think that sometimes we get a little too worried about being rule followers. We get a little too wrapped up in, well, I have to do what, you know, this person says, this government says, this, this you know, company says, whatever. And we don't think about is that really where leadership is? Is that leading? Or isn't that kind of conforming? Um, I think about another figure in history, um, and that's actually Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, I think a lot of you know, I've spoken on my podcast before, I am a person of faith, but I'm going to speak to everybody right now. And he's a historical figure, whether you believe in him as your Lord and Savior or not. He hung out with Riff Raff, He went against the laws of the time. He actually brought gender equality into that culture of the time. He talked to women. He talked to a Samaritan woman at a well when he really should not have, really shouldn't have. Jews and Samaritans at the time did not talk to each other. Not to mention she was a single woman, you know, and talking to her as as a man like you didn't do that. He brought women into his inner circle as as disciples. I mean, I look at him and I just think, wow, he was a rebel way before his time. And I wish more people would recognize just what an amazing example he is of being a leader. But he had to rebel against culture and laws and state and perceptions and all of those things in order to reach people with the God's message of, of love and light. And I just, I love that. In fact, he inspired Paul to write in his letter to the Romans that we should not do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Now, renewing of your mind, if that's not like a hello, it's so important about how we shape our thoughts and how we think and our mental health and everything, then I don't know what is. And there it is right there, black and white in the Bible. Another rebel, if you will, I think was Walt Disney himself. He transformed the animation industry against all odds, against people saying, you're an idiot, against multiple setbacks and failures. And he really was able to get people to see his vision, so much so that 55 years after his death, he is still regaled. His legacy still lives on. And he absolutely was a rebellious, transformative type of person that a lot of people naysayed against. You know, another one, and this is hits home for me, was I went to yesterday the Central Florida Community Arts um, Annual Breakfast, and Joshua Vickery is the founder and CEO, or, or was, well, he was, he is the founder. Um, but yesterday, after 11 years, was his very last um, breakfast with the group and time with the group because DC saw how wonderful he was and came and and now he's moving there to be on the world stage of of helping um, with arts for older adults across the nation and why Josh to me is such a transformative and inspirational leader is because he even said in his speech that 
he he knows a good leader is someone who knows when it's time for them to move on and leave it in capable hands of others to bring in fresh perspective, to bring in fresh thinking. And I felt like there's so few leaders out there that really get that, that you have time in a seat, but there is a time for when you need to move on and you should move on both for your growth and your continued path and journey to go to other places and help others, but also to let the people come after you and create and and have a new vision or, you know, continue some of the legacy, but also bring in some fresh thinking. I just thought he is absolutely a transform transformational leader. And again, one might argue a rebel because he started CFC Arts with about 20 people in a garage talking about it and had a vision. And I'm sure along the way he had a lot of naysayers or had a lot of people looking at him like, really, are you crazy? And some of the programs that they offered and some of the even the principles that they base their organization on in some ways were well a lot of ways I think well ahead of its time and could be perceived by some as a bit rebellious you know all are welcome doesn't matter what your your talent and ability is wait what this is an arts program you're you're singing into public forums they really did welcome everybody and while most a lot of organizations even nonprofits, will make you you know, you have to be able to sing. You have to be able to do this. It's like it was the most, in- it is the most inclusive organization on the face of the planet. And I feel like for him to put himself out there, that's that's rebellion and that's amazing. And that's transformational leadership at its finest. And Josh is going to be so sorely missed from this organization. I mean, truly, he takes so much of the heart and the inspiration of it. But he's inspired and created a ripple effect across the organization across Central Florida and across even people like me who haven't been with the organization more than a few years, but still are inspired and motivated by his heart and his passion and his his love of the arts and of people. And that's transformational leadership. And, you know, I'll just share one more personal example, too, of transformational leadership is my grandfather. So my parents divorced when I was little. My gran- We spent a lot of time with my grandparents and he transformed my life and I wish he was still alive that I could tell him that I don't think I ever really recognize to what extent my work ethics my integrity always he taught me all about that and honesty and that a firm handshake of course this was pre-covid um a firm handshake and building relationships with people were the most important thing to always give anonymously he didn't seek out to do to be a great man. He just was a great man. But I would say too, like not just his example that he gave to me of his integrity and of his morals. And he was like the classic, you know, child of immigrant story from rags to riches, from super poor to, you know, super wealthy. But he also was so humble, like all the way. You never would have thought that about him. And he didn't forget that people helped him get to where he was. And so I think in a lot of ways, he was a transformational leader to me and in my life, but also a bit of a rebel too, because he married, he was a Catholic Hungarian son of immigrants. English was his second language. And then my grandmother was Protestant, Howell, you know, a little bit more of the uppity, uppity, you know, social circles and married her. So they were both a little bit rebellious, even against their family's wishes. She converted to Catholicism too in order to marry him. So a lot of rebellion there, right? You have people who have a dream and have a want and have a desire, but continue to go forward, keeping all the other people's opinions, you know, and the noise out of their heads. I think it's amazing. 
So, I mean, these were just a few examples that were kind of going around in my head of really transform transformational leadership. And I know that that sounds like a big, scary phrase. And I know that it gets thrown out a lot. You could you could search it and it'll pull up every book and 50,000 articles and everything. So I wanted to dive deeper in that. Like, what does that really mean? Because that does sound big and scary. And it does sound like only the mother of Teresa's of the world could do something like that or the, you know, the MLK juniors of the world. But it's not true because... Really, transformational leadership starts with just being a little bit of a rebel and really having the courage to use your voice, having the courage to step out, to try something new, to be uncomfortable, and to never lose your moral ground, though. Never lose that ability to to stand by your values and stand by what you believe. And truly, it is being a nonconformist, and it's all the great leaders of the world weren't conformists. I mean, okay, I'll throw in another example, Steve Jobs. You know, talk, talk about a misfit and, you know, somebody who broke all the rules and had tons of setbacks, but he rebelled against conventional thinking over and over and over again. And look at what he built, you know, that we still enjoy today. I'm on a Mac right now talking to you all. So how do we do this, though? Because I think... It's important for us as leaders to recognize that we do need some friction to test new ideas, to test different ways of thinking and doing things, because that is what's going to lead to better solutions. We do have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, but I think it really does start with using your voice and having the courage to, again, not conform, but to transform. And I'm going to give you a few sips of just how to get started. Because again, you don't, transformational is a big scary word. So I'm going to stick with a little bit of a rebel kind of word. And then we're going to start very, very small because I do believe that the ripple effects are just incredible if we start somewhere. All right. So the SIPs are going to be, we're going to do three SIPs and it's an acronym of RIP. So we want to rip off the Band-Aid and get a little rebellious. So SIP number one with R resist conventional thinking and culture oh my gosh this is so uncomfortable to do I know that it's scary I know that we fear other people's reactions especially in a work environment I worry about what other people think if I go against the flow I'm going to be ousted I'm going to be pushed aside no one's going to listen to me talk to me I'll never get promoted I'll never get a rate I mean there's all those negative thoughts that just flood our minds so we don't challenge convention thinking, conventional thinking, and we don't have the courage to transform because it's safer and it's easier to just keep our mouth shut and to not speak up when we see something that maybe is wrong or speak up and even just be ourselves and even just share from our own hearts and who we are. And I know I've talked a lot about inclusion in my podcast, but the definition of inclusion is that you give everybody a seat at the table, everybody, no matter what they think and believe, and you encourage everybody to use their voice. So what better way to be inclusive than to resist conventional thinking and culture? Mix it up. You know, when you're sitting in a meeting and it's like, oh, this is a meeting with a bunch of executives. I better not say anything. Say something. You know, when those when those like things come to your mind about the things you shouldn't do, flip them on a dime and do it. I've had those moments where I'm sitting in there and it's like, oh, I better not counter my VP or I better not counter somebody else with a higher title or I'm not sure I should say anything because this really isn't my meeting and haven't told my boss what I'm going to say. 
And as soon as those, those moments start to come into my mind, I take a deep breath and I get the courage and I say something anyway, because really what's the worst that can happen? You speak up, do it in a professional way, use your voice. What's the worst that can happen? No, don't like that idea. No, thank you. You know, whatever. It's again, resist the conventional thinking culture. Go against flow. There's no way you're ever going to change culture if you don't start to make those pivots. All right, second sip. I, for inspiring others. You can transform the world even more as a leader when you inspire others to listen to their and trust their own voice and their instincts and their their thinking and encourage and inspire them to speak up and give them a voice, especially being a leader Tell people, I want you to say something in these meetings. I want you to use your voice. I encourage you to. I will have your back. It doesn't matter. Use that. Use your ability to influence, to inspire others, to not fade in the background and not assume that they shouldn't say things in front of other people or, oh, no, I'm worried about what that person might say or think. That should be the least thing from your mind. So it's always so important to inspire others, to help transfuse transform their view of themselves and that's really what good leaders do they're coaches they help others see that they matter and they have the answers and their instinct their intuition their their thoughts their opinions matter last tip p for pick one thing that you can do to turn a cultural norm on its head this can be super simple it could be as simple as i'll give you an example of what i've done lately I don't like signature email signature lines and emails and I'll tell you why I think they foster old school business memo formats I don't like the whole dear John kind of approach to emails and sincerely yours or thank you Carlin or whatever to me this is like the way we used to write memos you know a million years ago and this is email email is a transactional way of communicating with each other So I don't do the format that people think you're supposed to. I don't always say thanks at the bottom of an email because I have really nothing to thank you for. I'm just delivering information. I think signature lines, when they have your title in them, they're very off-putting to me because, one, it's saying, oh, here's my title. I'm important, especially if it's, you know, a higher-up title. You should really pay attention to this. No, because I'm a senior vice president, EVP of, director of, general manager of, whatever, don't care. Don't care. Don't put your title in the bottom of an email. That right away automatically puts a filter on people's heads of, oh, okay, we're playing that game. Second of all, I could look up your title. If I work in a company and I need to know who you are, most companies nowadays have directories. Um, you can look them up via email or hell, you could just ask them the question like another human being to another human being. I think the other thing they do is if it has your contact information and number and all of that, Again, there's other ways to get this information. If somebody really wants to contact you, oh, I don't know, reply to the email that you literally just sent. If someone needs your phone number, frickin' ask for it. I just think signature lines are such a ridiculous waste of time. And to me, they're even worse when people start to put graphics in them or quotes or sayings or whatever. And it's like, oh, bless. I know they mean well. I do. But one, you're bogging down my email now with your giant graphics. And two, 
This isn't a platform for you to tell me that this is your favorite quote by anybody in the world or that you're an environmentalist or that you're this or you're that. To me, it's about as useful as when stupid celebrities get up on award show stages and start to spout off about nothing that has anything to do with the award that they're receiving. Not your platform. Take it to Twitter. Take it to wherever else you want. But when you're on the stage, just get up there. I tend to think a little more like Ricky Gervais in this sense. Just get up there. Thank your agent. Thank thank God. Thank your who got you there and just move on. And I feel like signature lines are the same thing. They're becoming like this weird way of expressing yourself when email, that's not the intent. So to me, that's a very simple way that you can bulk culture a little bit, challenge a cultural norm. That's a very easy, simple way. Again, it doesn't have to be email signatures. You can pick whatever is authentically you. But it could be just speaking up in a meeting that you normally wouldn't speak up in. It could be reaching out to someone who you normally would think, wow, that's really taboo. I shouldn't talk to that person. It could be just pitching an idea that you feel like, oh gosh, they're never going to go for this. But just pick one small thing, one small thing and do it. And then do another small thing and another. And I promise you, the more you do that, the more you practice it, you will start to feel different. You will start to sense the courage. You will start to feel like I am taking control of being a leader, being a transformational leader, being a rebel. Ooh, scary word again. (laughs) But most importantly, just be authentically you. Conformists don't change the world. Transformists do. Don't be a rebel without a clue. Be a rebel with a cause. A rebel leader who aims to transform, not conform. And don't add cream and sugar to your coffee, unless you really want to. Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me. For more sips and tips, connect with me on social and follow Leader Sips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to visit my website, carlinholbrook.com. Until next time, keep on brewing.